It's taken about 16 months, but thankfully my son Oliver is now sleeping 12 hours a night. But the problem is that Julie and I have no idea what to do with our free time. Lately, we've been putting him down, and then we go to bed, realizing that it's only about 7.15 p.m. <laughs> but fortunately, this new freedom has allowed us to catch up on watching some television, which is a welcome change considering that we've been watching the same Baby Einstein DVD for the last 12 months. That's perfect timing because one thing that I really look forward to every four years is watching the Winter Olympics. For me, the Winter Olympic Games are inspiring, and this year I've become more and more amazed by the athleticism and the determination and the level of perfection required to be an Olympic athlete. And for many of them, success or failure is determined by tenths of a second. And it's really humbling to watch, especially if you have ever attempted any of their sports. Julie made me go ice skating once, and you couldn't pay me to do that again. As soon as I stepped out on the ice, people thought that I was having a seizure. Nine-year-old kids were skating past me at 30 miles an hour, and I proceeded to hug the wall for one lap around the ice, and that was it. So needless to say, it's humbling to watch Olympic ice skaters jumping five feet in the air and spinning around three times, landing on one leg backwards on an eighth of an inch blade. They make it look like it's easy. Now I've tried skiing a few times also, and it's equally as ugly as my ice skating. <laughs> Having gone skiing a couple times, it's very humbling watching Olympic downhill or alpine skiing. And I've noticed recently that my heart starts to beat a little bit faster while watching downhill skiing. That's not because I love skiing, it's because I'm actually afraid for the athletes. Their average downhill speed is 81 miles an hour. Next time you hit 81 miles an hour in your car, look out your window and imagine going that fast down the side of a mountain on two inch sticks. No thank you. Commentators say that 93 miles an hour is common on certain sections of the race, and last year someone broke the 100-mile-an-hour barrier. So Olympic downhill skiing is one of those sports that demands perfection. Anything less than perfection, and you run the risk of serious injury, being paralyzed, or even losing your life. Within our readings today, we find lessons and teachings related to the Ten Commandments. While watching the Olympics recently, I've wondered what the Ten Commandments for Olympic skiers might look like. And I've come to realize that downhill skiing doesn't need ten, they need one. And it would probably be something like, thou shalt stay on thy feet, or simply don't fall. Their one commandment would be universal in principle, it applies to all skiers equally, it has their best interest in mind, and it would help guide their actions. But I think what those athletes would tell us as well, that they may appreciate the simplicity of having only one commandment. There is much more to being an Olympic skier than simply not falling down. For Olympians, it's about meticulously examining all of the minor mistakes which may eventually lead to them falling. 
That's why they spend thousands upon thousands of hours in training. They examine every nanosecond of their practice runs, carefully studying every angle of the course, perfecting their aerodynamic stance, gauging their speed to know when to slow down and when to speed up. Immersing themselves in such vigorous training, muscle memory eventually takes over as they fly down the mountain. Now I know that those athletes are aware of the risks involved in their sport. Therefore, it makes their one commandment of thou shalt stay on thy feet pretty obvious. But being an Olympian is about going much deeper into the mechanics of their sport and having the ability to identify and overcome obstacles that may lead to their, them falling. But shifting focus from the hypothetical one commandment of the Olympics to biblical commandments, the opening verse in today's reading from Ecclesiastes says, If you choose, you can keep the commandments, and acting faithfully is a matter of your own choice. This language employed by the writer of Ecclesiastes is attractive to many people. It doesn't seem so rigid, like we are being told what to do. It seems to be more of an invitation. It's challenging on one level, yet presented in a manner that helps draw us into contemplation. The writer of Ecclesiastes goes on to say that placed before each of us are life and death, and whichever we choose will be given. And so once again, the writer of Ecclesiastes employs timeless wisdom in a beautiful way, drawing us to take inventory of how we are living our lives. But then after hearing this timeless wisdom of Ecclesiastes, what in the world are we supposed to do with today's Gospel reading from Matthew? From the opening verse, we find Jesus coming out, guns blazing. Unapologetically, Jesus dives right into topics such as murder, adultery, and divorce. And as if those weren't touchy enough subjects, they're combined with warnings of hellfire, prison sentences, tearing out eyes and cutting off hands. And so at first glance, it seems quite a stretch to reconcile these two accounts from Scripture. But in reality, their message is nearly identical. It's just presented to us in different ways. The harsh words from Jesus we heard this morning come from a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And contained within today's portion, we find Jesus addressing several elements of the Ten Commandments. And he does so by employing a certain formula, which is repeated several times. Confronting touchy subjects of murder, adultery, divorce, and swearing oaths, Jesus addresses his audience by repeating the phrase, You have heard that it was said, but I now say to you. So I would imagine that this was quite confusing to those hearing this in the first century. And some two millennia after this has taken place, entire libraries have been written about the Sermon on the Mount. And scholarship seems to be all over the map regarding how we should interpret it. Some say that Jesus was giving new commandments. Some say that he was enhancing or intensifying them. And some say that he was simply explaining them. In my seminary studies, ethics was the area that I focused on, and more specifically, the study of virtue ethics. And years ago, I was challenged to look at the Sermon on the Mount through the lens of virtue ethics. And it began to resonate for me in a way that not only made sense, 
But I found it similar to the writing found in Ecclesiastes, where it became an invitation where I was drawn to reflect deeper upon my own spiritual life. And within this theory of virtue ethics, there are four cardinal virtues of prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And the study of virtue ethics is essentially an examination into the moral character of the person carrying out an act. Emphasis is placed on persons rather than actions. Now, there are many ways that we can approach Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, but for me, the lens of virtue ethics, I find that his message becomes clearer. And that stems from my belief that Jesus is deeply concerned about the development of our character as well as our formation. And so I no longer see the words from Matthew as a checklist of do's and don'ts or rules that we have to follow. I think it's much deeper than that. I no longer see someone demanding more from us as much as I see someone demanding more for us. And the wisdom from Jesus' teaching in today's gospel invites all of us to take a deeper inventory of how we are living our lives. And as more emphasis is placed upon our formation and our character, our actions will naturally reflect these virtues. And so virtue ethics and what I believe Jesus' message in today's reading allows is for us to no longer see commandments as a rule book for not committing murder or not committing adultery or not getting divorced. It's much, much deeper than that. It's about our formation, about who we are and who we are becoming. It's about examining our character, which guides our actions. And the Sermon on the Mount is about being shaped into the image that Christ calls us to be. People of reconciliation instead of retaliation. People who respect the dignity of others instead of objectifying them. Tearing out eyes and cutting off hands are obviously not to be taken literally. Yet Jesus does call us into spiritual maturity that enables us to discern and then discard of anything that draws us away from the vision that God has for us. Jesus' emphasis on deepening our formation and our character is ultimately about setting us free. Now, to live as Jesus calls us to live in the world is difficult. It's almost impossible. And it is surely not something that's going to take place overnight. It's a lifelong journey that takes both patience and practice. And it's similar to the work ethic we find of Olympic athletes competing in this year's Winter Games. Yet as hard as Olympic athletes train and prepare themselves for perfection, you will see them break the hypothetical commandment of staying on their feet. And it's heartbreaking every time you see it. Because you know that they have prepared their entire lives for that one chance to go for gold. And in that moment of truth, many of them fall. Now, whether it's figure skating or skiing, as they fall to the ground, they know that their hopes for gold are over. But what I find inspiring about these Olympic athletes is that in their greatest moment of defeat, their character demands more of themselves, and their character demands that they not give up. And so they pick themselves up with a level of grace rarely seen, and they continue to complete the course. And as Christians, our spiritual journey through life has many similar characteristics. We all have guiding principles. 
We all have commandments, we know them, and we're all aware of the basics of what is right and what is wrong. Yet on our journey through life, we slip and fall from time to time. We all slip into behavior that is not reflective of our true character. And sometimes it's just a stumble here and there, and sometimes it is an all-out face plant where we fall hard. But thankfully, we are not defined by those moments, nor are they the end of our journey. And our faith assures us that God's presence and grace are equally present at the pinnacle of our achievements as well in our moments of defeat. Amen.